response song as well. Hey, welcome to our September weeks. One of the things I love about September is that here at the start of kind of the ministry year, I love to pull back a little bit and just remind us or maybe reorient us around who are we as a church? What are we all about? Where are we going? What are some of the focus uh, areas of, of, of this year? And so um, that's what we're doing for these few weeks. But to start us off, I've already voluntold some people to come and help me. So Brendan, Maddie, and Abby, if you would come up, because we've got a little game to play. All right. They're going to have to decide. Now, you guys all thought this was communion, didn't you? No. No, it's not communion. I've got under here three games to play. All right. There we go. We've got ping pong, chess, and tug of war. Now, Brandon, you got pick. Which one would you be the best at? Against them? No, no, just you. <laughs> Which one would you be the best at? Yeah. Oh, did you hear that? All right, Jess. Okay, Brandon, come over. Stand here behind the chessboard. Uh, that leaves. I'm sorry, ladies, but w- which one are you going to pick now? You can't pick chess. Well, so tug of war it is, Abby. Maddie, that means you're a ping pong player. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we need you guys to cheer these people on. So, Maddie, I'd like you just to play ping pong okay. by yourself. Okay. And, Brandon, if you could go ahead and play chess by yourself. And, yeah, just roll out the, the cord over there. We're all going to watch you tug of war <laughs> by yourself, too. Come on, you guys aren't cheering them on. This is awesome. Come on, yes. All right. Awesome. Woo! This is great. How's the tug of war going, Abby? Now, okay, let's pause for a moment here. How much better would this be if they were playing against each other? Slightly better? Slightly? Brendan, not that you're not sure. You still might lose. You're not sure. Okay, that's good. You guys can go sit down. There are some things you just can't do alone. You just can't enjoy a game of ping pong alone. It's sad. The guy over in the corner with the bent over table back and forth. It's sad. And then, you know, playing chess, oh, man. Well, we might learn how to play chess on our own, but I hope it's the goal of playing against someone else. At the start of this year, we are emphasizing aspects of our life together, particularly growing and serving, that are things that are best done together, not alone. That to really be the body of Christ on the mission that he's given to us, we've got to go together. As the Erickson Covenant Church, we're committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission, and it's clear, and it's compelling, and it's the reason we do what we do. But it's also very challenging, because in order to accomplish the mission that Jesus has given to us, we need to be a certain kind of church. We need to be a particular kind of people. In order to help people actually find and follow Jesus, we must be maturing followers of Jesus who are fully committed to his mission. If we aren't growing in Christ, we can't really help others follow him. If we aren't committed to the mission of Jesus, we won't help others find him either. And so as pastors and as leaders in the congregation, we've been praying and we've been planning around this question, this important question. Listen to it. How can we help every person who's part of the Erickson Covenant Church grow in maturity and in commitment to the mission 
of Jesus. What do we need to do? And after a great deal of conversation and discernment, we landed on two primary actions that we want everyone to take who's part of the Erickson Covenant community. Here they are. First, we want everyone serving on a ministry team. We actually believe that it's only by serving together as the body of Christ that we were able to fully grow up in Christ. And that through service, our passion for the mission of Jesus increases as we see God work through us and work in the lives of other people. And so last week we highlighted six ministry areas, and we did something that most of you loved and some of you hated, which is we made you stand up and move around the building to hear from these six different ministry areas about what they're up to and what some of the opportunities are there for for serving. I'm happy to tell you that over 85 of you signed up for ministry teams this year, and more of you have been signing up. And some of you weren't here last week, and we don't want you to miss your chance. Because, you know, this is critical. It really is for us as a community. So at the back info hub, there is more information, and we encourage you to check that out um, after the service. But the second action we believe that everyone needs to take is this. We want everyone to engage in some kind of community Bible study, some kind of community scripture engagement. This is crucial, and this is going to be the focus of my message today, the importance of being together in God's word. I'm drawing today's challenge from two primary scriptures, both of which are printed inside your bulletin. Okay, so I I will not have it on the screen, but it's in your bulletin. One's found in Colossians and one is found in uh, 2 Timothy. The first one in Colossians, Colossians is a companion letter to Ephesians, which we uh, studied all summer together. Both were written by the Apostle Paul. And so Colossians, actually, when you read through it, it rings a lot of the same bells as Ephesians. And it would have been read to some of the same congregation. Some of the same Christians would have received those letters. Here's what Paul says to these Christians right toward the end of a, a longer section on practical Christian living. He says this, Colossians 3, 16 to 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's Colossians 3, 16 through 17 from the English Standard Version. The second scripture is one of the most significant Bible verses on on the power and the importance, the place of Scripture in our lives. It's found in uh, another letter that Paul wrote to a younger pastor that he had mentored. His name was Timothy, and he's the takeoff we have for our Timothy project this year. This is what he said. After reminding Timothy of the central role that Scripture had had in his own spiritual formation as a follower of Jesus, he said to him, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 from the New Living Translation. Let's just take a moment this morning to unpack these verses. But here's where I'm going. This is the main point of my message. I hope you hear this. If God's word isn't dwelling in us, and I mean us, plural, because that's what the uh, original was. If God's word isn't dwelling in us, then God's mission won't be moving through us. God's activity through us depends on God's activity among us. 
unless we, as the church of Jesus, let the word of Christ get down deep inside of us, inside of our lives together, inside of us as community, we will not grow into maturity as God's people, and we will not be equipped for the mission of Jesus to save the people that he loves. God's word then takes primary place in us as a community and in our life together. That's why we gather every week to hear God's word preached because we believe that there's power in that. And, and we, you know, we don't make any apology for the place that scripture and preaching has in our community. I make apologies sometimes for how long it goes. But <clears throat> if you were here last week, you missed the shortest sermon you will ever hear from me. Thank you very much. But it's also why we encourage scripture reading and discussion. It's why we are pushing for community Bible studies. We believe that our personal and our corporate life is founded on the rock of Jesus' teaching so that we can withstand difficulties as they come and so that we can continue to love people who are far away from Jesus. You see, trying to fulfill God's mission to help people find and follow Jesus without letting God's word shape and transform and equip us. It's kind of like inviting people into a journey that we ourselves have never traveled on, which might be fun, but there's no guarantee we're going to actually show up. It's like trying to teach something to someone, but we've actually never learned it ourselves. It's like helping someone paint a picture that neither of us have ever seen. Letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly is not about just growing big heads and filling them up with a bunch of information or jargon or big words to impress your friends. It's about being transformed and equipped from the inside out so that our life together is actually God's invitation to others. You know, as an Evangelical Covenant Church, we are that. We're Erickson Covenant Church. We're part of the Evangelical Covenant Church. We talk sometimes, especially in our membership material, we talk about uh, four things that kind of characterize us as a church, that we are a biblical, devotional, connectional, and missional church. And you kind of hear elements of all four of those today. But the two that we're really focusing on today is that we're a biblical church where we're committed to helping know more about who God is. But knowing that just knowing about God isn't enough, we're also a devotional church that we want us to know God personally with, with depth in a way that transforms us and our life together. The history of the covenant church holds a high value for community scripture engagement. Some of the earliest covenanters, actually sort of pre-covenanters, emerged from the state church in Sweden, which uh, in, their, in their time had become quite spiritually dead. And as God moved among his people, groups began to gather together so they could hear God's word together, so they could receive it together and begin to put his word into practice. Even though they were committing a crime by doing so, that was illegal. These pre-covenanters knew that it was crucial that God's people gather and hear God's word. And so they began to call each other mission friends. But they were also known by others as readers. They would call them readers because of their insistence on reading and hearing the Bible together. Well, that's part of our church history. And the centrality of God's word and the value of hearing it together remains true and central to us today. As important as individual Bible study is to the life of a Jesus follower, and it is, of course, important, no study of Scripture is adequate outside of a faithful, receptive, obedient community. We actually need each other in order to fully hear God's Word. Don't misunderstand me. I I believe firmly that personal practices of letting 
the word of Christ dwell in us richly, like personally richly, are, are crucial. So that daily listening or daily reading of the scripture, uh, meditating upon God's word, um, praying and memorizing the Bible, Bible verses, or wrestling through difficult theological concepts, or receiving teaching from others, maybe through a commentary or a book or YouTube or even TV, if you still watch that. You know I'm all about that. I encourage that every chance I can get that we have those kind of personal daily habits in in, in our lives. But let me be bold today and say this. None of these private practices replace communal scripture engagement. None of them. I'm going to say that again. None of these private practices replace communal scripture engagement. They support it. They enhance it. They strengthen us all. Yes, they do. But they do not replace our responsibility to hear and to respond to God's word together. God's word was addressed to his community as communities would gather and hear and receive the word of God. And when we insist, or if we insist on keeping it only private and only personal, we will be ineffective in the mission that Jesus has given us. We'll actually end up being disobedient to Jesus and open to a bunch of crazy, false, or at least debilitating ideas about God, about life, about ourselves, about the truth. In many ways, it's kind of like a great NHL team. I'll let you decide which NHL team I'm referring to. Oh, shoot. <clears throat> what's the goal of a hockey team, NHL hockey team? What's the goal? Please, what's the goal? To win what? Oh, to do that. That's the goal. I think this caption, this was something about his epic beard, believe it or not. But nah, let's not distract from what matters. So what do individual players do to increase their chances of winning as a team? They exercise personally. They hit the gym hard. They hit the ice even harder. They practice their stick handling drills, even though they've been doing it since they were like barely able to walk. These kids had skates on already, right? They, they do nothing but drill, eat, sleep, drill, eat, sleep, play the occasional golf game, drill, eat, sleep. But why do they subject themselves to such rigorous training? It's not just so that they're healthy and strong, though obviously they are. It's so that when they practice as a team, they have so much more to contribute to the team. And then when they gather together and play against other teams, their chances of success to accomplish the goal of the team is so much higher. Here's what I'm saying. The disciplined practices of the individual players support the higher pursuits of the team. And that's how our engagement in Scripture is supposed to work. Our private personal practices are not simply so you can grow stronger spiritually, though you will. It's not, it's not just so you can become a healthier, more vibrant follower of Jesus, which you also will, and that's amazing, but so that together we can help the church of Jesus become stronger and reach the people that God has called us to reach to accomplish the mission that Jesus has given to us. That's the point of it all. Does that sound too, does that sound too strong to you? Well... I state it so baldly for this reason. If there's any error that we are most prone to commit as a culture and in our own church, it's believing that our own private and personal interpretations of spirituality or Christianity or what it means to follow Jesus or how we should live, to believe that those private and personal interpretations outrank 
the community, outranked the communal and historical teachings of Jesus and the church. We're so fixed on ourselves individually that we can fail to hear God's word to us as a people. The problem is this. We are inherently biased toward individualized privatization based on personal preferences. Wow, that's a mouthful. Let me try that again. Did you hear? Individualized privatization based on personal preferences. Try that one out this week as a tongue twister. We live in a culture that over and over and over again tell us that everything really is about us. And this time when I say us, I don't mean that corporately. I mean it's really all about you. As in it's really all about me. We have a culture that tells us that. And that we should measure everything we do based on our own likes and dislikes, based on our own comfort and discomfort. It's in the, literally in the air that we breathe as a culture. And it's in the water that we drink. I need to know that followers of Jesus, who have committed to follow Jesus, who have become part of the church, who the Spirit of God is living in, that we ourselves can be just as self-focused in our evaluation of life and the church as anyone who is not yet following Jesus, who has not yet been made part of the family of God. Let me use an example for us as a church. Let me use an example. As God grew our church over the last number of years, we ran out of room first in the parking lot and then in the building. So we responded to this growth by launching two Sunday morning services in order to help people in our community find space among us, particularly somebody you've been inviting to come who finally decides one Sunday morning, I'm going to go to church. The Spirit of God is active and moving and calling him to church. And so he finally drives down here only to discover there's no place to park. And so he just pulls through the parking lot and leaves because he doesn't want to park on the lawn. So we launched two services so that that wouldn't happen. So there would still be space in our community. We started these two services to reach more people. That is why we did it. But has it all been fun? Has it all been comfortable and easy? (laughs) Light and fluffy? (laughs) Oh, man. No, it's not. It has not been. Let's be honest. It's been a struggle for many of us. A real struggle. If we're honest which I hope we are, lots of us don't like it. It kind of rubs us the wrong way. It's forced us out of our comfort zone. It's demand more of our time and service. We had to double the ministry volunteers for children's ministry. Our worship teams had to come earlier and stay later. In short, for some of us at least, it wasn't our preference. But that's not the question that God asks us, is it? Nowhere, anywhere, has God ever said to his people, as he sent them into mission, oh, by the way, if it's not comfortable, just come back and we'll try something else. He just didn't do it. He didn't follow them down the road and say, oh, hey, if, you know, hey, just letting you know, if it gets a little difficult, we can rework things. He didn't do that. Instead, when people wanted to follow Jesus, he said, pick up your cross and follow me. That's where I'm going. Jesus sent us as his people out to make disciples, disciples of all nations, knowing that we would and have for 2,000 years faced discomfort, faced difficulty, faced sacrifice doing that mission, as well as experiencing the joy and the power of the Holy Spirit as we see God work and change people's lives. And so launching two services was not comfortable, but it was a critical way that we believe we need to make more room in order to reach more people, to help more men, more women, the men and women and children in your lives throughout the week, the ones that God had called you to reach out to, to invite to Alpha, to pray for, to love on. 
so that we can reach those people and help them find and follow Jesus. That's our mission, which is why I was so proud of you, so proud of us as a community, when we would acknowledge the difficulty, when we were honest about, wow, this is going to be a real stretch for us, and yet, and yet we still then launched him. We launched the two services because we knew that our preferences should never determine God's mission. Did you hear that? Our preferences should never determine God's mission. We reach out to who God calls us to reach. We make whatever sacrifice God calls us to make because lost people matter to God. Mission before preference. But that's, that's hard for us. And the reason why I bring it up is because it, it just shows us again how we're swimming in a culture, powerful cultural currents that want us to evaluate everything, including church, by personal preference rather than by God's will. And so here's how I see it. In order for us to continue maturing as Christians, and part of that is dislodging that individualism, to grow in maturity as Christians and to see his mission continue to be fulfilled in us, we need to actively bend back that individualistic privatizing tree all the way back the other way and tie it down to the ground. We must emphasize, maybe it may feel like sometimes, overemphasize and relentlessly and intentionally pursue our core need to be together in Scripture. That we've got to be together, that we are today's mission friends, and that we're committed to receiving God's Word as a community. But because I want each of you to join a Bible study this fall, I need to give you a little more of that. So I'm going to tell you why I think it matters. I'm going to give you five reasons why I think community Bible study is better than private Bible study. Now you know I love private Bible study, right? Oh yeah, you know that. Talk about it all the time. Here's five key advantages that community Bible study has over private Bible study. First, community Bible study safeguards against individualism. We read in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you as a community, plural, richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Now, I've already talked about our bias toward individualism, our need to combat that. I won't go on and on. But let me just point out here in this verse that we are called to actively teach and admonish one another. And that admonish word is kind of a mixture of encouragement and challenge wrapped into one. And that this is a community exercise. This is a game that cannot be played alone. How would you admonish one another by yourself? Right? And what's more, when we hear God's word as a community, when we're actually facing each other in the same room and God's word is open between us, we're much more likely to hear its application to us as a community. That when we're reading and hearing and studying, discussing and praying God's word together, it helps self-guard our individualistic tendency to just read it as somehow all about us and only apply it privately. That's the first one. Second, community Bible study helps us hear different perspectives. And this is the one another piece that I want to emphasize. We've already heard it. When we receive God's word together, we take the opportunity to wrestle through its meaning together. And when we do that, we hear new perspectives on what God is saying. Perspectives that will challenge our, our, some of our assumptions, some of our ideas, some of the things we've just thought were true but maybe aren't. We'll also have an opportunity to bring them up and help others who maybe are holding some things that aren't so true as well. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. 
One of the great advantages of the kind of Bible study that we're, we're moving toward and we're offering more and more here in the community, sometimes it's called the manuscript Bible study method, sometimes it's called inductive Bible study. Um, it, it's, it's a close reading of Scripture. Where we take out God's Word, we print it on a paper so we can interact with it more. And we spend time really listening to see what is in God's Word. We observe. And then we really open it up for questions and try to figure out what it means. And then together we discern uh, through prayer and through uh, discussion, what is God saying to us as a community? That's the method it follows. It's not only is it helping us grow, but it's helping us grow, grow leaders. And when we sit around a table together and we really are able to hear from one another, to hear different experiences, to hear different perspectives, it's an incredible experience in growth. Some of us have held things for a long time that have never been challenged, have never been brought out. And when we come together, we're able to grow together. We need one another. Third, community Bible study provides correction. I've already alluded to this. Correction to poorly conceived ideas or, frankly, sometimes just outright error. Paul said to Timothy, all scripture is inspired and useful to teach us what is true, correct us when we are wrong. You know, when we submit to one another in scripture study, we're able to challenge and correct in a spirit of grace and, and with, kind, with kindness, we're able to challenge and correct and sharpen each other's understanding of who God is and who we are. Many false teachings come from private interpretation. And there's a healthy correction that happens when a church as a community submits to being in God's word together, letting the Holy Spirit speak to us as a community. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to suggest that groups can't be led astray. That's obviously true. But we not only submit to one another, we submit to the larger body of Christ. We submit to the the communion of saints down through time. Because God's word is powerful. And as we sit with the Holy Spirit present in us, speaking through his word, God is able to provide, we are able to provide critical correction to each other. But it isn't just about doctrine. It isn't just about teaching. It's also about our character and our actions. And that's number four. Community Bible study reveals our blind spots. A little further on in Timothy, uh, Paul says, the scripture inspired, is inspired also to, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. You know, it's in community. It's in community as we seek to live out God's word for each other and in each other's lives that we come to realize there's areas we need to grow, areas that we may not have been aware of. And the longer I follow Jesus, the more I'm aware of how much we need each other to see each other. Do you know what I'm saying? We need each other to see each other, that I cannot see myself accurately. That just me, even just me and the Bible, I can't see myself accurately. That we need each other. And the Spirit of God speaking through the community, through God's Word, to become aware of areas in our lives that God wants us to grow. And as we let God's Word dwell in us, God is able to do that. Sometimes the mission of Jesus in a church, sometimes the church itself is ripped and torn down because of ways that we as individuals or we as a community are not realizing um, blind spots, character flaws even, ways that we've become used to speaking about each other or speaking about others to each other. Uh, Words that we've used, things that have have, have distracted us, arguments or resentment or things that have torn us down. This is why we as a community hold very high our standard 
our community uh, behavioral covenant of always treating one another with respect and holding each other in honor and, 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 and using words to build people up and listening with clarity and compassion, being forgiving and not holding on to grudges and seeking forgiveness, all that stuff which we've talked about a lot. This is vital to us as a community, but it's also vital so that we can see the areas in our lives that are, are derailing us, blind spots that we may not have been aware of. So also why we need prophetic gifts operating in our community. It also highlights us to blind spots and why we need to continue to come under God's word together. Fifth, community Bible study sends us into the mission as a community. At the end of both uh, passages I shared today, I'm going to read them kind of together. God uses his inspired word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So that, picking up from Colossians, whatever we do, in word or deed, we're able to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God has given us, as his people, his word. And he's given it to us in order to equip us for the work he's given to us. That's the purpose for which God breathed out his word and then shared it in the many ways that it is shared in the scripture. And when we move God's word out of its private setting and we intentionally and regularly receive God's word as a community, we're then set up to ask, how must we respond to what we are hearing? Rather than only asking, what should I do to respond? I'm not saying that's a bad question, but it's often the only question we ask. We need to be asking, how must we respond to what we are hearing? That's it. Five key advantages. Community Bible study has over private. I don't know if you're convinced, but here's the thing that I want you to hear clearly again. If God's word isn't dwelling in us, then God's mission won't be moving through us. So what do we do? I want to offer two challenges as I close today. First, a challenge to you to respond with a changed mindset. Just decide right now you're not going to play alone. Resolve in your heart, in your mind, and in your calendar that you're going to commit to engaging in Scripture with community, with others, not alone. In the broadest possible way, this means that we don't keep what God is saying private, that we open ourselves up to each other, what God is speaking through his word, and we bounce it off each other, and we pray together, and we we bring it up, our, our ideas, our interpretations, our thoughts, our actions, we bring it into the light of community, and we discuss it and wrestle through it and pray through it together. We infuse God's word into everything that is us. And this also means when we are reading the Bible personally, that we discipline ourselves to always ask this question. Father, what are you saying to us as a church? That you actually have to, maybe you have to write that out on a card or you have to remind yourself in some way not to finish Bible study or meditation or, or reading without somehow orienting the question around us as a church. Father, what are you saying to us as a community, not just me? But, as I already said, as one of your pastors and as one of the leaders here and our leadership team and others, we've been charged with the responsibility to, to provide specific leadership around this so that we as a church are growing up in Christ, are increasing our commitment to his mission as we're helping other people find and follow Jesus. We believe that we need to put this on the ground. So my second challenge today is that you would leave here today with a committed calendar. Leave with a committed calendar. Most of you carry it in your phones anyway. 
Leave here today with it on your calendar. We're offering three community engagement opportunities this fall. There's a fourth one called the Timothy Project, which we've been talking about all summer. We had 27 people apply. 20 of you got in. Man, are you going to be engaged in Scripture this fall. For the rest of us, there are three primary community engagements we're offering. Two of them are Gospel of Mark studies, okay? Because we believe the Gospel of Mark is a basic discipleship text. This is fundamental to us as a community. These two studies are, are the same studies being offered Thursday morning and then Thursday evening, okay? And so we're asking you to pick one of those. And you'll be traveling through the Gospel of Mark. This one will range over the entire year with some breaks over Christmas and March break and ending sometime around the end of April. And you'll be going through the first half of the Gospel of Mark using the manuscript study method that I already talked about. More information on that will roll out. But those are the two. And then the third one, again, already highlighted, but you'll hear me talk about Alpha all the time anyway, is Alpha. Now, some of you signed up to serve in the ministry team. That's awesome. And, uh, but also, some of you are in a place maybe where you yourself are new to faith, are still exploring some big questions of faith, and we want to invite you to come to Alpha, to be part of it, to be part of growing. And it's a great opportunity to invite someone else to come with you. And so one of those three opportunities is for you, and I challenge you today to leave with a committed calendar. You can sign up at the info hub at the back. Ange Lee is going to be there offering all the information you could possibly imagine. Right, Ange? Yes. Here's the deal. God has a heart for us as a community. He wants to see us strong and vibrant. He longs to see us as a church growing in our understanding of who he is and our passion and, and, and receiving his love for us. And he, and he longs to see people, men and women and children, transformed by his love through us. That is God's desire for us. And we believe firmly that the core to that is letting God speak to us as a community. We want to receive what he has for us so we can be about his business, so we can be transformed by his love as we share love with others. Change mindset, committed calendar. Let's pray as the team comes to lead us in a final set of worship songs. Jesus, your passion for us, your passion for the lost is powerful. And it, it continues to, to go out into the, the places of this world where people have lost hope. People are struggling without freedom. People don't even know there's a purpose for their lives, let alone a God who loves them passionately. And Jesus, we just ask that your passion for the lost, your passion for people would, would be infused deep within our hearts and our life as a community. And Jesus, we pray that you would speak to us and that we would be open to hearing from you. And this fall, even today, I pray that each one of us would respond to your invitation to come and hear, to come and listen as your people, to receive your word to us, to be transformed by you and sent into your mission. And so today, we just respond to you by saying that we love you, we're glad you're alive, we follow you, and we want to be about what you want us to be about. We give you all the glory and the praise. Amen.